Welcome to the Brilliant Brands Show. I'm Justin Keller, former accidental marketer and creative director turned church branding expert and entrepreneur. Each episode, I'm unpacking the strategies that I've used to help churches all across America make their story, their brand visuals, and their marketing so brilliantly clear that it's impossible to ignore them. And now, it's your turn. I hope you're ready to challenge the way you see things, rebel against complacency, comfort, and conformity, and find your untold brilliance. Now, let the show begin. Welcome to episode three of the Brilliant Brand Show. I'm Justin Keller, your host. Thanks for joining me here today. I'm grateful that you're giving me part of your day and letting me challenge you to do whatever it takes to build a brilliant brand for your church. So this is the show where I help you learn what it takes to make your story and your marketing strategies so brilliantly clear they're impossible to ignore. Today's show is, I guess, the foundation for each of us and what the, to get the right mindset um, about what a brand really is. You know, in a day when there's so much hype around building a brand, um, I also don't think there's ever been as much confusion around the idea as well. Um, I just think about even when people ask me what I do and I tell them, you know, that I, I do branding or brand strategy. It doesn't matter. <laughs> as long as the word brand is in it, um, you should see the look and you should hear what people say when I tell them that. Um, typically, I'll get, oh, I have a cousin that makes stationery. Or, oh, yeah, my brother does marketing. Or they'll ask, oh, does that mean you do logos? And I'll say, sure. Does that mean you do strategy? Yes. Like all of these things, sure, but maybe not the stationary part. But branding is very complex and the, definif uh, the definitions of it can vary quite a bit. But my goal and my hope is that by the end of today's episode, I'm confident that you're going to see what a brand is and how to define it. And you're going to see why it's much bigger than a logo. Um, so the goal is this, that I'm going to make the complex simple. Before we get into today's show, if you're a communications or a creative staff member at a church, or maybe you're a pastor that, and you want to invest in your church creative team, I just wanted to let you know about something and then want to encourage you to, challenge, uh, to go over to brilliantbrands.com forward slash coaching. I want you to just check that out. Um, this is a coaching program that we put together for your team, for the creatives to develop their leadership and creativity, um, to really think through the marketing and branding strategies that they have. Uh, the thing about this is there's no, you know, bogus fake credentials to go through this. Um, it's not an academy. I'm not calling it that at all. It's just real raw um, things that I've learned and practiced for a lot of years when it comes to building a brand. And so, um, and the first one is actually on me. So I'd love for you to go ahead and get it. There's no obligation. Um, even if you end up jumping in and being part of it, you can start or stop at any time you want. But just wanted to encourage you to go check that out at brilliantbrands.com forward slash coaching. So all right, now let's get in and let's start talking about rule number one. So there's 10 rules and they're all out of my book called Rebel Brands, the 10 new rules for building a brilliant brand. Um, you can find that at brilliantbrands.com forward slash resources as well. But the first rule is this, your brand is what others say you are. So let me ask you to do something here. As long as you're not driving, you know, close your eyes and try to think of something right now. And I want you to think about your favorite brand right now. So just think about what that is. It could be a restaurant. It could be clothing, um, anything. What's your favorite brand right now? And then think about why that's your favorite brand. 
So get something in your head right now. And let me just tell you a little story. When I was out in San Jose just recently working with a client, I asked the same question. And so I would love to know what you're saying right now, what you're thinking right now. But with that group, I bet your answers are going to be similar because what I found was there was never, ever mention of the logo. And that's probably the same for you. Not one person ever said, you know, I love this restaurant because of their logo or I love this, you know, brand of clothing because of their colors. Rarely. I mean, never the first primary reason was it the logo or the colors. What it always was from every single person, it was the experience that people had. And so experiences that people have are really what define your brand. And if somebody has a bad experience, that can't be made better with a great logo. And that can't be made better by having the perfect brand colors. Experiences really define your brand because that is what forms the opinions. That's what form forms the words that people use when they describe your brand. So that's why rule number one is your brand is what others say you are. Um, no one, there's a quote and I was trying to think how it goes, but it was something like this. No one would remember the good Samaritan if he had only had good intentions. He had money as well. And I think there's Margaret Thatcher that said that I'll put that in the show notes, but back to that quote, the idea is like people are not being remembered for intentions and your brand is not remembered for its intentions. It's all about our actions. That's what you're remembered for. It's the actions. It's what you deliver on good or bad, um, and not what you hope people experience that defines your brand. And that's why your brand is what other people think it is. It's not what your logo looks like, and, it's, and it is only defined by what others say you are. Um, another quote came from Michael Eisner, the former CEO of Disney. And I, I use this quote every single time I talk about brands because when talking about the definition of a brand, there is probably not a better quote out there. I wished I would have came up with this, but I didn't. And so I'm not going to try to reinvent the wheel at all. Michael Eisner said this. He said, a brand is a living entity and it's enriched or it's undermined cumulatively over time. It's the product of a thousand small gestures. I really, really like that. And what I love about that is it's enriched or undermined cumulatively. That means it doesn't just happen quick. It doesn't mean that just one bad experience, like it could be a small little thing and a bunch of small little things that over time are just creating the experience for your brand, whether that's good or bad. And so over time, it's the product of those thousand small gestures. That could be a lot to wrap our heads around when we start to think about what are those thousand small gestures. But in my book, Rebel Brands, I break those thousand small gestures into five components that make up all brands. Um, it's the easiest way for, I think, for anybody to measure their brand, how it's doing, how, what are the impressions that we're making. If it is a thousand impressions, what's making that up? And so those five areas, I'm not going to go into them um, in depth right now, but it's basically it's your voice, the brand voice, and it's the brand visuals, the brand culture, the brand experience, and then the brand strategy. And so it's, it's really how you execute and deliver on those five components that are going to shape how people define your brand. So um, I want to give you an example. Let's talk about, you know, on this show, I, I've told you already, let's not look at what other churches have done or what, and what they're doing, but let's look at some big brands. And um, a brand that many of you are familiar with would be Radio Shack. And so Radio Shack, I don't know if you realize what they've done, but 
they, a few years back, they changed it to the shack. And the reason that they changed to the shack was their hope was that it would present themselves as a younger, hipper brand and that it would give them a chance to kind of reignite their presence in the market. But like you might already know this, I think they filed for bankruptcy now twice in the last two years at the point that we're recording this, but even changing to the shack couldn't overcome the hurdle uh, of the brand experience being a brand that's outdated and irrelevant. Um, the naming, the hope was that it would become relevant and hip, but you see it didn't align with the experiences. So even a name, the change of that, like if the change of the logos or the colors and the naming, if it doesn't align with the experiences, it actually is irrelevant. And Radio Shack proves that because on the experience side, you know, they had, I think they were still selling, even as of a couple months ago, they were still selling AM, FM pocket radios, which who's going to use that anymore? Um, nobody. And so here's a brand that says we want our name to be more, more relevant, but we're not willing to have our experience be more relevant as well. And so what we see and what we can learn from Radio Shack is that intentions have to match the actions. So um, if not, it's going to be a waste of resources put towards all of those other things. And so that's why we get in trouble. Um, absolutely, we get in trouble when our focus becomes the sizzle of the brand and we become you know, more obsessed with the logos and the visuals than we are about what people say about our brand. So I guess I would want to challenge you that, you know, don't get so obsessed about the sizzle. Don't get so obsessed about sexy logos and websites. Those things matter, but uh, man, it's worth being obsessed with what people say about your brand because that's what, um, that's what defines what your brand really is. And so um, this also just reinforces why, you know, mission statements and your value statements carry very little weight in marketing. Uh, we're going to get into that in another episode when we talk about some, another rule for uh, building a brilliant brand. But, um, you know, your mission statement and your values, that's, uh, that's not what forms what people believe about you. That's not forming how they're defining you. It's really just their experiences that's defining it. Um, so, you know, and, and you'd have to think about this too. It's not just the brand experience that people have firsthand. So experiences really, really matter firsthand, but also people are getting their first experience with your brand through someone else. Oftentimes it's through what somebody else says. Um, and it's through what they see online or what they experience on social media first. So what impression are you making? That is what you really need to focus on as a starting point, as a foundation for defining your brand. Quit obsessing over those logos, really obsess over the impression that we're making on. Um, even the things that we think maybe don't matter that much. So it's the small thousand small gestures that really add up. And so uh, what I want to do right now uh, for you is let's get practical here. Uh, I don't think it's enough to just tell you something without giving you a thing or two that you can apply. And so let's get practical. Um, the first thing is this, it's really simple, but it's often overlooked. So if our brand is defined by what others say, it's going to be important that we know what they're saying. And so just a couple things, um, there's probably other things you could do to learn this, but let me just give you a couple quick things. One stock Facebook and Instagram, you know, even on Facebook, you, you should be able to see reviews, um, that people have put up there. 
Um, you, you're going to be looking for comments that people are making about the church. You know, you could be talking about great worship and all this other stuff, but maybe all they're saying is, I love the free coffee. So looking and seeing what people actually talk about on social media is a great opportunity for you to um, see what, they're, what they are saying about your brand, how they're defining your brand. Um, you know, if you're on Yelp or Google reviews, those are good things for you to look at and be aware of so that you can just know what people are saying. And then this one's, I don't know why this one's overlooked as much as it is, but just get to know people personally. Um, you know, you've got to spend time with people who are in your church. You've got to spend time with your staff and your team and make room for real conversations. This isn't just something where we let the data from what we've researched tell us what we do and dictate what we do. No, let the real conversations that you've had, you know, make room for that. And, um, you know, just make room, I guess, is probably the biggest thing that you got to make room for real honest feedback from your team. And so one of the things that make sure you don't do if you're trying to get, you know, uh, find out what people are saying about your brand, don't just ask them, like, what do you think about us as a church? Um, you know, find a little bit smarter way to ask that. And then once they give you some feedback, I need you to resist the urge to defend what you hear. Just let it go. Just listen and let it go um, because that's really, really important. So um, let's talk about one more thing. And this is the last thing I want to touch base on as we close out this episode. And that is what should we do with the things that we hear? And I've had this question asked to me before. Uh, from churches and they've asked me, Hey, are we just supposed to shape our church to everyone's opinion? And I would say, absolutely not. That's not what I'm talking about here at all. Um, but I would say if we ignore, um, what people are saying, we could be confirming or reinforcing negative opinions that people have and you don't want to do that. And so it's easy to hear the things that aren't great and just try to dismiss it, but we need to know the negative things and the positive things that are being said. So once we hear them, I have three things that I would ask you to do with everything you hear. One, it's really simple. Just listen. Don't dismiss it just because you only hear it sometimes. I've, I've heard this over and over again. Yeah, I only heard that comment once or twice. Look, if you've heard it once, listen. Okay. That's all I'm asking you to do. Listen to everything. And then from there, let's learn, learn what's true, what's not true, or at least how true is it and how severe is this? Okay. So one, we're going to listen to what we hear, learn how true it is or how severe it is, if it is true. And then the last thing, this is, this is the gold mine for you. It's leverage. Leverage both positive and negative feedback for your brand because actually both of those things um, have the potential to help you shape some great strategies, great communication, great marketing based on knowing the strengths that you have from what people are saying and then making sure you're not feeding into the negative things. So we're going to leverage both the positive and the negative feedback. So we're going to listen, learn, and leverage the feedback that we get. So, all right, as we close out this episode, the big takeaway that I ask for you to, you know, if you take away one thing, it starts by just redefining you know, the way that you see your brand. Okay. See it as something bigger than a website. See it as something bigger than just your logo. Those are just brand visuals. We need to see our brand as a thousand small impressions that we're making through everything we do through our visuals, our voice, our culture, the brand experience. Think about the way people are greeted at the door at your church, um, the way they're handled when someone calls and then the strategies that we use. All right. That's what defines our brand. And so that's ultimately shaping the way people define it. 
Thanks for joining us um, and joining me today on the show. I'm going to put up the show notes for you at brilliantbrands.com, episode number three. And I'd love to get your questions, your comments, and your feedback from today's show. As we're doing this, I want to be here to serve you. And so if you've got feedback or comments for me, please send them to me. You can email me directly, justin at justinkeller.com. Um, feel free to even just mention me on social media using at Keller Thinks. And as always, it would mean the world to me if you could head over to iTunes, subscribe to the, to the show, and even rate it, um, even if it's a low rating. Whatever you really feel, go ahead and do that. And then, of course, if you feel like someone else ever would benefit from this show, share that with them too, please, if you don't mind. And let's just stay connected throughout the rest of the week and um, on social media. And then go ahead and head over to brilliantbrands.com and just check out the information that we have there where you can learn a little bit more about the new standard for church marketing and messaging. So I'll see you next time and make today great. Thank you for listening to today's episode. The Brilliant Brand Show is powered by Circle 50 Creative. You can learn more about how we help ministries solve critical ministry moments with the right message, brand visuals, and strategies at circle50.com.